0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 143. Today, I am answering your biggest questions all about... Photography. Now, if you're not a photographer, I challenge you to stay on this episode because I'm going to break down a lot of the ways that I grew my business when I was starting out and I had no idea what I was doing. If you've ever heard the story of how I bought a $300 Craigslist camera and now have turned it into a seven-figure empire, today's episode is going to break down some of the how that that happened, and also just answer some questions for all my photographers out there. I am so so excited about this show, and before. Before we dive into it, I want to tell you about an upcoming webinar that I am leading for my photographers. Now, if you are wondering how you can fill your calendar, I want to share my three biggest secrets in order to help you do just that. I'm going to be leading five different webinars that will be live and it's all about three simple marketing hacks to fill your photography calendar. You just have to go to photowebinar.com to register and save your seat. This is a photography specific training. However, the show today is for everyone. Again, head to photowebinar.com and I'm going to be walking you through three simple marketing hacks that are going to help you to fill your photography calendar I am so excited about these trainings I am so excited about today's show and I think it is time to dive on in you're listening to the gold digger podcast where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like it's time to hear from the experts Shout out to Weebly for supporting this episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Weebly is more than just a beautiful website builder. It can help you finally start your business. Go to Weebly.com slash Gold Digger to get 15% off of your first purchase and start building a successful online business. That's Weebly.com slash Gold Digger. Now let's jump into today's show. All right, let's do this. So if you didn't know, photography was the start of my crazy entrepreneurial journey. I've always been drawn to it, and I still remember all of the questions I had. I mean, I didn't know what the little numbers on the lenses meant. I didn't know what a raw file was or a JPEG was. I didn't know anything. And I am entirely self-taught and have learned so much over the last seven years. And I truly believe that secrets are no fun unless you're busy sharing them. And so I want to let you in on how I took a Craigslist camera and turned it into a full-blown career. Now, I fielded your questions from both the Gold Digger Podcast Insiders Facebook group and our Gold Digger Instagram. And if you're not hanging out on those accounts, you are totally missing out. Now I am still letting you call the shots and I'm fully covering all of the nitty gritty details, but in a more focused topic specific way. And so I'm so excited about today's show. And without further ado, let's dive on into the questions. Danny Wanger says, I am so pumped to hear this podcast. I have been so inspired by your content to start taking photography more seriously and would really love to hear the story from the $300 Craigslist camera to six figures and beyond. Now, when I first started, I had no ambitions of becoming a photographer. I didn't really think I would ever be an entrepreneur, but I found myself in a corporate job that I didn't really love. I loved being good at things. I loved moving up this ladder, but pretty soon I realized like I don't want to keep climbing. I don't want to spend the rest of my life climbing when all it looked like was more work, more time away from my husband, more hours on the road. And So I found that I was creative. I just wasn't using that anymore. I was working 10 hours a day. I recently found this document on my computer that I'd wrote about how thankful I was. But it was about when I was working in my office and how tired I was and stressed I was. And it brought me right back to that. And so I actually bought a camera because I wanted to be creative again. I had zero desires to become a photographer. I wanted to document our stages of life as we were planning our wedding and going through that process. And that turned into a business. So I started taking pictures, I started putting myself out there and just putting my pictures out there without any marketing, without any pitches. And I realized, Oh, maybe I should start a blog. And so I started a free WordPress blog, started putting stuff up there. And I realized I really like this. And then Drew's brother got married in Jamaica, and they could either opt for a resort photographer, which was an additional fee, or they knew I had just bought this camera. And so they asked if I would take pictures at their wedding. And I was so excited about it it. I really wanted to do a good job. I had no clue what I was doing, but I said yes. And from there I was head over heels in love with photography. So I shared their wedding images. And then that summer, a few of my friends got married and I asked if I could take a few pictures at their weddings. And they of course said yes. And so then I started building this little portfolio. It had three weddings in it. They were all done for just a few hundred dollars, but I knew that I could market myself. And so My blog slowly turned into a website, the website turned into advertising, the advertising turned into bookings, and I am just so excited to share the story of how I booked 25 clients in my first year, which you heard in episode 141. And so if you didn't listen to that show, head on back to that and then tune into this one because it's going to walk you through exactly how I did that. Jade Chesser says, from someone just starting out, how did you get that first session? Did you ask a friend, give them a discounted rate so that you could build up a portfolio? I'm just stuck on where to start in order to break into the industry. So like I said, I didn't necessarily reach out to people. People had started reaching out to me. I remember... One of my friends booked a boudoir session and I got paid $150. I felt so rich. I was so excited, which looking back now, I didn't even break even when you calculate taxes and the expenses and everything. But once I started putting things out there and just showing that I was shooting more, I started to get more attention. And of course, I shot like my family and friends for free because I needed to get experience to get images. But I actually started booking wedding clients pretty quickly. I think that I was gutsy enough to just go for it and I knew that I had the eye. I could look at something in a magazine or on a blog and figure out how to emulate that and I think that that was what drew me to Brides is I had these beautiful poses because I studied posing and I really learned how to communicate and direct people in a way that brought out these images. So maybe I wasn't shooting in manual. Maybe I didn't have my editing down pat. I don't even want to talk about my old editing styles but... I think that it's important if you're just starting out Start to bring your camera with you to places. Start to ask people if you can take a few photos of them. Start to step into that role as a photographer and don't necessarily worry about the money because if you're just beginning, you likely aren't even a licensed business yet. You're not operating as a standard business. Maybe you're just trying to build up a Facebook page and before you charge a penny, you can build up this portfolio so that when you start charging, you can become too legit to quit and file all of the things that you need to in order to run an actual business. Kaylee George asked, what are your tips for iPhone photography? Do you have any favorite editing apps? So Kaylee, I actually have this awesome freebie where I share my favorite apps. I'm gonna double check the link right now because I wanna make sure I send you to the right place. But if you go to jennacutcher.com apps, you can see my five favorite apps that I use in my iPhone. Some tips for iPhone photography. One, this is so silly, but clean off your camera before you shoot anything. Our cameras are so dirty on our phones. I hate to even think about what's on them, but wipe it off before you take any photos. I love using VSCO and Afterlight to edit on my phone, but the biggest thing is just finding the light and then removing distractions. I think a lot of times our iPhone photos are quick and blurry and they're real life. And I love that about it. But if you just take one extra second to make people turn into the light or to make sure that the lighting is a little bit more appealing, that can totally help. And then another thing is just shooting in natural light. It is so funny, the difference it makes from natural light to artificial light. And so whenever I use my iPhone for photography or for Instagram stories or whatever that looks like, I'm always trying to do it while there's beautiful lighting. And that's not always real life, but hey, it totally helps. Shelby Goldman says, what are the best risks you took when building your photography business? So I shared a lot about the first things I did when I started my business back in episode 141, but I think that some of the risks that I took One, I hired a graphic designer student to create a logo and I knew the importance of branding right off the bat. I went to school for PR and for business administration, so not necessarily marketing, but I loved branding. I was so drawn to that. I was drawn to packaging and the emotions a brand can emit. And so I spent a couple hundred dollars. I got some logos made that really helped just set me apart and make me look way more legit than I probably Was. I also invested in advertising. And if I could go back, I would switch that investment into education because advertising is short lived and it's really hard to measure the effectiveness. Whereas if I would have learned how to market myself for free, which is so much more available than when I was starting, I feel like I would have created more sustainable systems from the beginning and not relied on traditional advertising. But I realized like if I'm not willing to invest in myself, then why? Why should anyone else be willing to invest in me? So that was a huge risk. I also started filling up my calendar while I was still working my nine to five without being sure, like, am I really gonna be able to make this leap? Is this actually gonna happen? And so I took that chance and I set that big goal that I wanted to match my corporate salary. And then I went at it full speed ahead. I think another risk is just working from both ends. I mean, I was working 10 hour days and then going home and plugging away at this business. That I wanted to build and so I know all about side hustles and I did it for so long and I really understood that if I wanted to build a business that would last that would not fail I had to really set up ways that I could work effectively because I didn't have all the time in the world I was scrappy I was really scrappy when I started and I'm really thankful for that Kelsey Smith says how do you grow a six-figure business in a small town, a rural area? I live in a town of about 2,000 people, and the surrounding ones are five to 10,000. Obviously, not as many potential clients and bookings due to population. Therefore, I feel like I'm not as much potential to make six figures. I dream of doing destination weddings in the future, but I don't think it's realistic for me in the next five years." First things first, Kelsey, we have to silence that inner mean girl that's telling you what's realistic and what's not. You already are crafting this dialogue saying that it's not possible for you to make six figures or launch a destination wedding business. And guess what? Your brain is a very powerful thing. And so I would love to reframe that question entirely with the limiting beliefs removed. I think you've already made up your mind that you just can't do it. And I want to change that. Now, to give you some perspective, I launched my business while we lived in a village of 1,200 people. I didn't know a single soul, and we had just moved there. We did not have any friends in the area. I did not have any connections or any inside scoop into the wedding industry. And so when I read that you're in a town of 2,000, I'm like, sister, you got population there. But here's the thing. In seven years that I've shot over 125 weddings, I've never once shot a wedding in the town I live in because they're not where my people are. And it sounds like you think your people aren't there either. Now, wherever you live, I am sure that there is a larger city within one to two hours from you. And that is where you need to be marketing. I never once marketed to Johnson Creek, Wisconsin. Not once. I marketed to Madison and Milwaukee. Both of them are about an hour away. And that is where I found my people. Now, for me, it was incredible because I built this six figure business within three years, living in this tiny little town where I didn't know a single soul. But I did it because I knew where my people were. And I made it apparent that I was willing to go to them. Sure, I had to drive more for consultations. Yes, I had to drive more on wedding days, but it was entirely worth it because I was able to find people that were going to support my dreams, that loved my style, and that believed that I was worth every single penny. When it comes to doing destination weddings, now my business, I think all of our inquiries are pretty much destination weddings. And you just have to start traveling and shooting while you travel. And people see that you're willing to do that. And you market to those people. And so it all comes down to that marketing message. But first things first, Kelsey, you have to remove those limiting beliefs that you've put inside of your brain. Jenna Lee's story. This is amazing, Jenna. My middle name is Lee too. And my last name was Rude, So we have the same initials. She says, I'd love to know more about your approach during a session. Do you guide couples into poses? Do you have any tricks up your sleeve that are bound to get a good reaction? Jenna, I love this question because posing is so important. I have a full posing guide with 25 different poses at shopjennakutcher.com. It literally walks you through all of the cues that I have, all of the ways that I direct my couples, the things that I say to them to get them to fall into those poses. So you can get your hands on that at Shop Jenna Kutcher. But to answer your question, I think that one of the hardest things about posing is just starting. I think a lot of couples feel so anxious and nervous, and they're wondering if they're going to feel good and look good during their session. And so first things first, I give them permission to feel uncomfortable and awkward. And I tell them, I don't expect you to be Tyra Banks. I want you to feel like yourselves and I know it's going to take a little bit. So I'm going to delete the first 50 photos I take. These are just practice shots for you to get into the swing of things. And by the end of it, you're going to be making out and feeling so good in front of my camera. You're going to forget that I'm here. And so just letting them know that you don't expect these whimsical poses from them and that you understand that they're likely feeling uncomfortable really gives them a deep sigh of relief. And then i tell the guy, Hey, I'm not going to emasculate you. I know that you don't want to be made fun of by all your guy friends. I want for you to just feel like yourself. But let me tell you this beautiful lady, she is the center of attention for this shoot and you are her leading man. And so I want them to know, like, I'm not going to make you feel like a goofball or like someone you're not. I want for you to just have fun with this and to be yourselves. And so the last thing that I would encourage you to do is ask them questions ahead of time. If they have a favorite song or a funny joke that would make the other person laugh, or if they have funny things they can whisper to each other during the session. And I think that that really helps ease people into it and helps them understand that the job of posing is on me. They just have to show up and be willing to give it their best shot. Kathleen Curto says, first of all, I cannot wait for this episode. I really struggle with trying to do everything, social media, building freebies, blogging. I am seeing more engagement on social media, but I still feel like my clients aren't rolling in like I'd like. If you had to focus your energy on one area, what would it be? So Kathleen, I hear you. I think one of the hardest parts about being a photographer is our love for photography is so strong, yet we find our day is filled with everything but taking photos. And so what I would focus on is really creating a brand. I'm not going to tell you to focus on Instagram or focus on Facebook or one specific platform. But what I think is so hard about the photography industry these days is figuring out how to stand out. And one of the biggest problems is that we're all following our peers and we're all seeing these beautiful pictures of people on mountains and in waterfalls and all these things. And like I'm sitting here in the middle of Wisconsin being like, all right, we got cornfields. Let's do this. And so I had to be really, really cognizant of who I was following online because I didn't want it to impact my style and who I am. So, what I would focus your energy on, Kathleen, is figuring out what sets you apart, and that's likely you, and figuring out how to share that with people because people need to fall in love with you in order to understand the photos you're taking. And so, when you can focus on a brand that speaks directly to your ideal clients without having to feel like you need to speak or impress your peers or that you have to be someone you're not, you are going to attract the right people and those clients will roll in. I know for so long, I just tried to blend in because I felt like a fraud. I felt like somebody was going to say, I know you don't know what you're doing. And so I looked at everyone else's websites and I made sure mine looked just like theirs. And the thing is, is that our clients cannot establish the difference between us and photographers X, Y, and Z. And so you have to figure out how do I stand out? And that's likely sharing more of you and creating this true brand that has a personality because that personality is going to reach your clients. And so Stop looking at what everyone else is doing. Start figuring out how you can find your voice and that personality online. And then really focus on posting images that you want your ideal clients to see themselves in. Maybe our clients don't connect with mountaintops and waterfalls, even though they're beautiful, beautiful images. Maybe they're more hanging out on the couch or running down the street of Main Street or whatever that looks like. And so really focus on posting and sharing stories and images. That your dream clients can visualize themselves being a part of, and you will see success. All right, Gold Diggers, if you're tuning in to today's show, it's no secret that you have some big goals and ambitions and dreams. And if you've got a product or an idea that you desire to share with the world, check out Weebly. You can have a beautiful, powerful online store up and running in a matter of hours. Visit Weebly.com slash Gold Digger and get 15% off your first purchase. That's Weebly.com slash Gold Digger. Don't just build a beautiful website, build a successful online business with today's sponsor, Weebly. Catherine Elizabeth Frugge says, I would love to hear about your client experience from first inquiry to wedding gallery delivery and beyond. I have a workflow that includes sending welcome gifts and bits of information throughout the process, but I feel like I could offer more. I just don't know what. So, Catherine, I talk a lot about client experience back in Bonnie Bakhtiari's episode. We talked about how to give clients a great experience. And it's not just about sending pretty gifts in the mail, though that is an awesome touch. I think that just checking in and saying, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Is one of the best ways that you can reach out. And then the second part is really following through after you've shot their session. So I feel like a lot of photographers, they'll take the pictures, they'll send out the gallery, and then they never really follow up. But I think that that is where the real magic happens, making sure that they were able to download their images, making sure that they're printing their photos, making sure that if they want albums, they know what that process looks like, just checking in and being a friend to them. And so I would challenge you to not just think about the client experience from the very beginning, but thinking about how you can elongate that experience and stay in touch with the people that you've served. And then also give them a chance to share their story. I think that a lot of times we as photographers photographers like to pick one shot. We talk a little bit about our clients. But when you can say I really care about you and your journey and your story, it can absolutely get other people to see like you care. You're not just in it for pretty pictures. You genuinely care about the people. Dasi Simone Dominguez says, Jenna Kutcher, I'm curious. Did you build your photography empire before you were known as a marketing guru or did it go hand in hand? If you did do it before, if you could go back, what would you do different? So I absolutely started my career as a photographer. And of course, I was good at marketing because I think it's just something innate and something that inspires me and I'm excited about. But I didn't realize I had anything special until I was sitting down with a super talented photographer. Photographer. We were enjoying a margarita and some nachos. And she was telling me about how she was going back, interviewing and updating her resume because she couldn't make it as a wedding photographer. And I looked at her photos and they were insanely good. And I wondered, what am I doing differently? I was making six figures, everything had come pretty easy to me. I was loving what I was up to. And so that's when I started to realize I'm doing things differently. And I have systems in place that don't overwhelm me. And so I think what happens is Is photographers are so creative that they're so excited about the creative stuff, but they fail to create sustainable systems when it comes to marketing. And so if I could do anything different, it would be to understand that I am my unique selling proposition and that I am worthy of doing this and calling this a career. And so I think that my first two to three years of being a photographer, I just felt like a fraud. I felt like a fake. And I was so consumed by that feeling that I didn't understand how. How unique I was and how I could serve clients in a way that other people couldn't. And so when you can start to let your guard down and understand you don't have to have a degree. It's awesome if you do, but you don't have to. And you can be self taught and self made and be successful. I think that I would have harnessed this power of owning and stepping into the person that I am, and that could have made a really big difference for me. And so that's the only thing I would have done differently. But yes, they absolutely went hand in hand. I think the only reason why I was able to build a six-figure photography business so soon was because I was able to understand the importance of creating a brand and really speaking to my dream clients. Jolene Emmer says, what courses did you take to learn photography and editing? So when I started, I never took any courses. I never attended any workshops. I never did anything online. And I kind of wish I would have, but I'm happy that I let myself learn the art on my own while learning the business side from mentors. And so what I see happen is that photographers become so consumed with the art side of things, which I think is beautiful beautiful. But I also think it can be an innate thing. And so what is interesting is that I love to teach the business side of things, because so many artists already know the art, they feel the art, they see the art. And I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle that you need to understand and grow on your own. Whereas I think the business stuff is the stuff that holds people up so much more. And so that's why I'm so excited about these live trainings that are coming up at photowebinar.com. I'm going to teach you the three ways that you can fill your photography calendar. And I'm so excited about that because I've created this system that I've implemented in over a thousand other photographers businesses. And so instead of taking courses on learning the art side of things, I think you have that within you, but I think it is important to learn the business side of things so that you can make a living doing the art. All right. Next question is Kelsey Smith. I would love to know for ways for photographers to grow their email list, opt-in ideas for photographers, and what to send subscribers besides a monthly newsletter. This is an awesome question. I think a lot of creatives struggle with this. As a photographer, you likely get asked a lot of questions and you're likely leading your clients through the same things over and over and over again, whether it's session prep or the importance of timing or lighting, or you're helping them to plan a schedule, or you're helping them plan their outfits. There are so many different ways that you can grow your email list and serve these people before they even know that they need your services. And so I want for you to think what kind of questions do you get or what kind of things are you walking your clients through that you've already created that could serve other people. At the end of the day, I cannot serve every single bride, but I have content that can. And why would I hold that to myself? Why would I not share that if it could help them out in their planning process? So for me, things like 10 ways to choose your wedding photography. or 20 questions to ask a photographer before hiring them or things to look for when choosing a photographer or ways to create the perfect wedding day schedule or should you do a first look or not or how can you use your wedding photos after you get them and so there are so many different ways but you likely get asked a lot of questions start listening to those questions and creating content around them Paige Gregory says, I'd love to hear more about the business side and how you grew to six figures on photography alone. I'm hoping to integrate more services, education and sales into my business down the road and have plans for that, but definitely want my photography to bring in as much as possible. So I have had a six figure photography business since year three. So I've had Three to four years of six figures, and they've all looked different. One of them was super heavy with weddings. I had 30 weddings one year. Then the next year, I cut way back, but I focused more on albums and extending print sales. And last year, I brought on an associate photographer so that we could shoot more as a business, but I was not necessarily taking on a higher volume. And so each year has looked absolutely different. And I don't think that six figures should be the ultimate goal. I don't think you've made it or you've arrived when you hit that, I think you have to look at your lifestyle and say, what is it that I need in order to live the life I want to live? And am I willing to put in the amount of time? And so when I look at pricing, it's an equation. It's not an emotion. And I think a lot of times we get so emotional about pricing our art and we have to flip that script and say, no, like I need to have an equation. I'm a business. I'm a CEO. What do I need to charge in order to make it? And then how can I make the experience for the clients worth every single penny and then some? Rachel Thornhill says, Hey, Jenna, my question is, if you were starting out as a photographer again, what would you do differently in your first year of business now with the hindsight of what worked and didn't work for you, your business and your lifestyle? So I think if I could go back, I would invest in more resources that would help me set up the back end of my business. So I was really good at the photos and putting that stuff out there. But I was terrible about organizing and creating systems and workflows and templates And so I was trying to reinvent the wheel with every single client trying to give this custom experience. And it was spending so much time doing this where I didn't realize I could actually give a better experience if I created a system. And so if I could go back, I would spend more on templates and creating systems within my business so that I could get back to the art again. I think I didn't realize that 90% of my time would be doing all the business stuff and 10% of the time would be actually shooting. And so I wasted a lot of time and energy on systems that just weren't sustainable. And so I would absolutely go back and really focus on that business piece because you can't do this for a living if you're not making money doing it. And I see so many artists that are so successful and talented when it comes to creating art, but they flail when it comes to running a profitable business. And so I think it all comes back to systems. So guys, there you have it. You're Photography questions answered. And you all know I could talk about photography for days. This was so much fun for me. So if you guys have any further questions, head on over to the Gold Digger Insiders Facebook group or the Gold Digger Instagram. You are the motive behind the show. And so hearing from you and reaching you and answering your questions is pretty much my favorite thing. Again, if you want to jump on into an upcoming training that we are going to be leading, head on over to photowebinar.com. And I am so excited to lead you through five free live trainings starting on April 17th and ending on April 19th. Again, go to photowebinar.com. I'm going to be sharing three simple marketing hacks that will help you fill your photography calendar. And I am so thrilled to get to bring you that content and get to answer your questions on a live Q&A after the training. Until next time, Gold Diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And I hope that in me sharing, you feel like you can go out and take on the world and share your gifts with everyone. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more, the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.